Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for our meditation this morning comes from us in the Gospel of St. Luke, comes to us in the Gospel of St. Luke, the 18th chapter, beginning with the 9th verse. I ask you to rise once again in Jesus' name. Jesus told this parable to certain people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and looked down on others. Two men went up to the temple courts to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed about himself like this, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all of my income. However, the tax collector stood at a distance and would not even lift his eyes up to heaven, but was beating his chest and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went home justified rather than the other, because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Lord, these are your words, and therefore they are your truth. We ask you to increase our faith through them. Amen. You may be seated. So there are generally two words that you can find across most, spor- across most sports. My bad. My bad. Maybe you're watching a game of basketball and you've seen that guy make a bad pass and then he's running back down the court beating himself on the chest going, hey, that one was on me, guys. Or you're playing a game of soccer and you let in an easy goal and you just have to go, hey, hey, my bad, that one, that's my fault. In my case, it's when I'm playing a game of ultimate frisbee and I drop that easy pass that came right to me. But those words, they, they go beyond sports. They occur in the workplace, at school. Anytime you, you mess up, you, you don't do what you're supposed to do, maybe you fail to do a, an assignment or you miss a deadline. Anytime we screw up, anytime we let someone else down, we have to say those words, my bad. Those two words express acknowledgement and ownership of one's mistakes. You beat yourself on the chest, you, take, um, you beat yourself on the chest, you admit your failures, and you seek forgiveness. And in our text today, Jesus, he shows us exactly what it means to take ownerships, ownership of one's mistakes. He calls us to beat our chest in confession and confess who we really are, guilty and in need of a Savior. He calls us to admit that we are sinners. But then he also, he also tells us to profess that we are saints. The great thing about this parable is that we don't have to try very hard to figure out what it means. Luke tells us exactly who it's for. In the very first verse of our section, Luke records that Jesus told this parable to righteous people who trusted in themselves. He told it to people who looked down on others. The point of this parable is clear. Jesus is trying to correct those who wrongly place themselves above other people. In the parable, Jesus, he presents a complete contrast of people, a a self-righteous Pharisee and a repentant tax collector. If you recall, the the Pharisees were teachers of the law, and they were viewed as some of the most holy and and righteous people around. And and few people would have thought to accuse them of immorality or, or, or dishonesty. 
On the other hand, we had tax collectors who were despised and, and seen as thieves who cheated their own people out of money. And unlike with a Pharisee having any association with a tax collector, even being the family member of one was seen as disgraceful. Society clearly would have valued the Pharisee way above the tax collector. But in this parable, Jesus flips the picture and elevates the tax collector above the Pharisee. The Pharisee is clearly the person that Jesus is warning us not to be like. The Pharisee is not only self-righteous, but he's proud of it. He boasts in his self-righteousness. The Pharisee is self-righteous about being self-righteous. In just two verses, Jesus points out multiple issues with how the Pharisee views himself. The Pharisee, he walks into the temple courts, he places himself where everyone can see, and he proceeds to praise himself for being better than those around him. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people, he says, even like this tax collector. The Pharisee, he knows the tax collector is present and intentionally points him out, probably hoping that the tax collector can even hear what he's saying. Look at me, God, he goes on to say. I do more than what is required of me. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all that I have. I do so much more than every other person. Jesus, he he only gives us a snippet of what the Pharisee says. But in reality, the, the Pharisee probably boasted about many other things too. And Jesus, he warns us not to be like a Pharisee because, let's be honest, as Christians, we can sometimes act a lot like Pharisees. We can struggle with putting ourselves above other people and with pride and with boasting because we love to compare ourselves to others. Whether you see yourself as the best or the worst person, we all compare ourselves to other people. And playing the comparison game, it only leads to us looking down on others. We, we certainly compare ourselves to the people out there in the world, the, the non-Christians who aren't here in church. When's the last time you, you've just looked out at the world and had that thought of, what's wrong with people? Or maybe, maybe you look at someone and you just, you just think, can you believe what that person did? I, I'm sure glad I'm not like that person. And generally, the message behind that comparison is, well, I'm better than that person, and well, God should reward me for it. But although we, we compare ourselves to the people out there, often the, the people we care, compare ourselves the most to are the people in here. The Christians in the church, the people sitting beside you in the pews. So I ask you today, who are you comparing yourself to? Who here do you see think you're better than? Maybe, maybe it's not the person who hears today. Maybe it's, maybe it's the person who didn't come to church today. What do you think about the, the people who don't come to church on a regular basis? What kind of thoughts do you have about them? Or maybe it is the person who came, but walked in a little late. When people come in late, we think they're lazy, but if people show up early for church, they're just showing off. No matter what someone does, in our minds, our way is always doing it the right way and everyone else's is the wrong way. We think just like the Pharisee and can put ourselves above others in order to excuse our own sins. And in the parable, yes, the Pharisee, he wrongly places himself above other people. That's clear to us. 
but he's not wrong about everything he says. The craziest part about the parable, the craziest thing about what the Pharisee says, is that when he points out how bad the tax collector is, he's telling the truth. He's right. The tax collector is a bad person. The tax collector is a no good, dirty, rotten, sinful person. But the tax collector knows it. The tax collector, he fully acknowledges his, his sin and he owns it. He says those two words that we always say, my bad. He's fully aware of his unworthiness and he makes this request to God, this plea to God, for God to avert his wrath away from himself and for God to forgive him and to turn his favor toward him. For God to turn his favor towards the sinner on behalf of God's atoning sacrifice for sin. The tax collector's plea, it's, it's very reminiscent of this prayer that, that David makes, recorded for us in Psalm 51, where he says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. The tax collector is helpless, and he knows there's nothing he can do to earn or deserve God's love. It's only by God's mercy that his relationship with God can be restored. And as Jesus tells us, that tax collector, he went home justified. The words, I tell you, declare God's verdict. The tax collector declared righteous. He is declared righteous before he even goes home. He is declared righteous, because, not by anything he did, but fully on the promise of the coming Savior. Through faith, he received forgiveness for all of his sins. And through faith, he was exalted. He was exalted because of Jesus, the one who is greater than his humble confession. On the cross, Jesus, he performed the greatest act of humbleness. He chose to die. Though Jesus was true God, he didn't boast about himself like the Pharisee, but rather lowered himself like the tax collector. He came and died as the one true sacrifice for all sin. He died for the tax collector, and he died for you and me. His sins paid for the debt of the whole world. And as we learned last week on Easter Sunday, his resurrection proves that his death was sufficient. When Jesus, he rose on Easter morning, when that tomb was empty, he declared to the world that he really truly was who he said he was. And he proved that his death had the power to cover all sin. Jesus, the very God who humbled himself to serve you, the very God who rose from the dead, is exalted above every other. And you, in your humbleness, like Jesus, will be exalted. When you were brought to faith through word and sacrament, when you beat your chest in trust in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, you are forgiven. So beat your chest and confess. Confess, Lord, I am a sinner. Lord, I am sorry for my sin. Lord, have mercy upon me. Confess and know that you are worthy. You are justified not by anything that you do, but solely on the salvation that Jesus has brought to you. And then once you confess that you're a sinner, profess that you are a saint. Yes, as humans, we are sinful people who battle and struggle with our sin daily. 
But Jesus tells us that trusting in him, trusting in the work of Jesus, we are redeemed and we are declared righteous because of him. We have a phrase here in the church for that, uh, a phrase that's known as simul justus et peccator. It's, it's a Latin phrase that means same time saint and sinner. Yes, we are sinners, and like we learned in our children's sermon, we wear that name tag daily. But we are also forgiven, and we are declared righteous before God, and he has made us saints. It's not a name tag that we flip back and forth, where one moment we're a sinner and, one, and the next moment we're not. No, they're two name tags that we, stay, that we wear side by side. Saint and sinner. We are redeemed sinners, forgiven by Jesus. And that's the truth that you need to own. A little, a little bit about me. I am a big fan of Christian hip-hop and rap. Might, I hear a few chuckles. It might seem a little weird, Christian rap. They're not two things we generally think go together, but um, it exists, and I'm a fan. And, and one of my favorite artists is this guy known as NF. NF, those are his initials. And NF, he, he rose up in the Christian music industry and now has broken into the mainstream uh, industry, and you can probably hear him on the radio. And whether you like it or not, the, the thing about hip-hop and rap that attracts a lot of people is that it has this tendency to, to talk about real topics and, and real struggles that people are dealing with, and NF's music is, is no different. And one of my favorite lines of his comes from this song called Therapy Session, and the line goes like this. He says, I ain't gun, meaning I'm not going to, that's slang. <laughs> I... I'm sorry. I ain't gonna walk on these stages in front of these people and act like I live my life perfectly. That doesn't work for me. Christian is not the definition of what perfect means. Christian is not the definition of what perfect means. I love that line. How great is that line? As Christians, we don't go walking around the world boasting that we're better than everyone else. We don't come crawling into church, acting like we're perfect. No, we're not perfect. Church isn't a place for perfect people. Church is a place for broken and messed up people like the tax collector. It's a place for broken and messed up people like you and me. We are Christians. We are not perfect. But praise be to God that our God is perfect. And praise be to God that our salvation comes from outside of us. Our salvation came from the cross. Our salvation comes from Jesus, the one who rose from the dead. And by the truth of the resurrection, we can know and proclaim to the world that our sins are forgiven. The resurrection is not something that we just celebrate once a year on Easter or once a year during the Easter season. No, the resurrection is something that influences our everyday lives as Christians. Every day we live out the truth of the resurrection knowing that we have the living hope in Jesus Christ as our Savior. Because of that hope, because of that truth of the resurrection, we can beat our chests and proclaim to the world that we are beloved and redeemed children of God. Yes, yes, I am a sinner, but Jesus Jesus is greater than my sin, and Jesus, he died for me. I love what St. Paul writes in 
in his letter to the Romans, that famous verse, Romans 1, 16, where he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Own that truth. Let the world know that truth. Don't be afraid of what people might say to you. Let them know that I am a Christian. And through that profession and the love of God that Jesus fills you with, you will have opportunities to share what that means to you. You have opportunities to share the truth of the gospel to spread Jesus' love with others. You will have the truth to spread that message to someone who doesn't know it yet, that message that Jesus died for them too. The parable of the the tax collector and the Pharisee, it's a message to all Christians. Yes, we are sinners called to confession, but Jesus, he died for our sins, and his resurrection is proof that we are redeemed. So beat your chest and profess. Take hold of that truth and profess that you are a redeemed child of God. You and I, we are Christians. Amen. Please rise for the blessing. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.